0: Welcome to the Beethoven 9 at 9 podcast, originally aired Saturdays at 9 a.m. on Colorado Public Radio's 24-hour classical music service. I'm Monica Vischer. In nine episodes, we walk through the life of Beethoven through his nine symphonies. In our last episode, we explored the musical treasures of Beethoven's overlooked Fourth Symphony, and today, the famous fifth, finished over a year later in 1808. ¶¶ Beethoven drove those opening notes into the human psyche for all time. With me once again to talk about the greater significance of the Symphony No. 5 is Beethoven biographer Jan Swafford. Hello, Jan.
1: Hi, Monica. Great to be back. So
0: what did you mean in your book, Beethoven, Anguish and Triumph, when you wrote that the Fifth Symphony would stand as a thunderclap in musical history?
1: Well, the thunderclap begins with the opening four notes. <laughs> There had never been anything like that that just reached out and grabbed the listener by the throat and the first movement never lets you go. It is the most searing and intense piece ever written in music, probably to its time.
0: The Fifth Symphony premiered at one of the most famous concerts in music history. Even with the problems that surrounded it, it was cold, it was long. Tell us the story.
1: Well, it was now one of the most famous concerts in history. At the time, it was one of the most outlandish concerts in history. It was in the middle of winter in an unheated hall and premiered at this concert were the the 5th Symphony, the 6th Symphony, the 4th Piano Concerto, plus the Choral Fantasy, plus um, some other stuff. (laughs) And um, all of these pieces are enormously difficult for the players, especially at that time, and they couldn't have played them very well. And not surprisingly, the audience was kind of slowly filtering out of the hall during the whole concert, and only the real diehards made it to the end. ¶¶
0: Beethoven make it such a marathon concert?
1: He had a backlog of pieces. It was very hard to get a concert at all in those days. That's another thing. There was no standing orchestra in Vienna. You scraped together an orchestra for your concerts, and then you spent sometimes years, in the case of Beethoven, begging the bureaucracy to get a date and a hall. On the one hand, he wasn't very practical. On the other hand, you can sort of understand that he had all these pieces that needed to get heard, and needed to get out. It was really quite nuts.
0: So, the famous da-da-da-da short theme makes its way throughout the Fifth Symphony. This is fate yes. knocking at the door. Talk to me about this.
1: We tend to think of the Fifth Symphony as the archetypal classical symphony and we've completely lost the sense of how weird it was at the time. The essence of that weirdness is this. A piece in those days began with a theme, right? And a theme was not necessarily a complete melody like a folk tune but it was a, you know, it was a melodic stretch what beethoven did in the 5th symphony is say, is to say i'm going to take a little motif of four notes da 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 dum and treat that as if it were a theme that is the theme of the symphony which in terms of his time was just absurd and furthermore he clearly said that i'm going to bring the four movements of this symphony together closer than any other symphony maybe any other piece had ever done by using that little theme and also this little shape, ta-dee-dee-dum, down, up, down, as the melodic and rhythmic basis of the entire piece, beginning to end.
0: Can you help now point out where we can listen for this motif, this theme, throughout the symphony?
1: Well, let's talk about the rhythmic motif. He doesn't just blandly use it over and over. He develops it in all kinds of ways. So, in the first movement, we have a lot of ta da da dum and two-and-one, and 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 two-and-one. The second theme takes that and slows it down as the basis for ta 341 Now let's go to the th- second movement. There's another version of it slower. In the third movement it becomes the horn theme. In the last movement it becomes tiddly dum diddly dum diddly dum diddly dum, that's speeding it up. Jan, what
0: was one specific and important way the Fifth Symphony was a marked difference from the Fourth, which came before, of course?
1: The main difference between the Fourth and the Fifth is intensity, the dramatic quality. The Fourth is kind of a comic piece. It's a lot of fun. The Fifth is a whole different ethos. It's a whole different expressive world, what we call the large narrative from darkness to light, from fatality to triumph, You know, it's like the difference between a comedy and a drama.
0: So Beethoven was no longer looking over his shoulder at Haydn and Mozart by the time he got to his Fifth Symphony. Walk us through that change for Beethoven.
1: Well, to begin with, he always wrote audience-pleasing pieces. and In fact, it became a pattern of his to follow his most challenging pieces with something relatively easier and lighter, such as the Sixth Symphony. But... By this point, he was understood by everybody, really, even if some of them resented it, to be the the peer of Haydn and Mozart as as an orchestral composer, an instrumental composer. So he just didn't have to worry about that so much. And I think he had a certain attitude by now as if they don't understand it, then uh, they can listen to it again.
0: talk to us a little bit about some of the other bold works that Beethoven was writing at the time that really showed what you're talking about?
1: Well this is in the second period which is popularly called the heroic period. You'd certainly have to mention the piano music like the Waldstein piano sonata which is an absolutely remarkable tour de force of composition and had a lot to do with the, the new developments in piano which was developing rapidly during his time and then he followed that up with the appassionata there was his opera fidelio and um the opus 59 rasimovsky string quartets which are a revolution in string quartet writing the, the whole future of the string quartet Those pieces were very hard to swallow at the time.
0: What kind of personal statement was Beethoven making with his Fifth Symphony? Was he shaking his fist at his fate? It's a cliché
1: to say that, but I think it's right. His deafness, now, I'm he thinking, were, primarily? Yes, absolutely. And but, and, and remember that he was a lot worse than just deafness. He had one illness after another and, and chronic, very painful digestive problems. To me, the, the Third Symphony is about society, whereas the Fifth Symphony is about individuals and the individual capacity for heroism, which, of course related to Beethoven as much as anything. I think that shaking his fist at fate and saying, I will not be defeated, played its part in the whole structure of the Fifth Symphony from darkness to light, from fate to triumph.
0: was the symphony connected to the politics of the time?
1: This was the middle of the Napoleonic era, the Napoleonic Wars. It was after Napoleon had crowned himself emperor, when he was no longer a hero to political progressives like Beethoven. And it was a time of enormous tumult and violence all over Europe. There is... I won't say a militaristic quality about the fifth symphony. It's not exactly that. But I would say that the tumult of the time is very much in the piece. Um, To me, the fifth symphony is an inner drama in a tumultuous time.
0: Was he very political himself?
1: Politics was his favorite subject. He talked about it all the time. Mm -hmm.
0: So Jan, I'd like to talk about this amazing darkness to light musical transition between the scherzo and the finale movement of Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. And I'd like to play it for you now. And I'm just going to hand the microphone over to you. And you can comment as we go.
1: Okay. Okay. The darkness to light that we talk about has to do with the total, what we call, narrative of the symphony starting with this very fatalistic and dark first movement and gradually moving bit by bit to the triumph of the last movement. What we're listening to now is the moment when that triumph is about to break out and the music goes into what I call the fog. We have no idea what's going to happen And then suddenly the finale breaks out with this incredible brassy blaze of triumph.
0: There is nothing in music quite like it that's expressed in the way Beethoven can do it.
1: Beethoven had this extraordinary gift of seeming to fill things up and then to fill them further. You think he's gone as far as he could go, and then he goes further. He was extraordinary at that. And I think the last movement has that quality of just being over the top joy, over the top celebration.
0: Why is Beethoven's Fifth Symphony so important to us, even today, two centuries later?
1: It's a piece of enormous power that is nonetheless very straightforward and communicative. Um, I can't imagine anybody who's remotely sensitive to music who doesn't immediately grasp this piece. You know, Brahms is complex by comparison to this, and so is the Third Symphony. The Fifth is a piece that almost anybody can understand, and it is so strong that almost anybody who's open to it can respond to it.
0: So how did Beethoven's Symphony No. 5 directly influence or affect symphonists of generations to come?
1: It became one of the models for how to do a symphony. Beethoven was a great abstract storyteller in music. Beethoven understood from the beginning that a total piece of music is one story, which doesn't mean a straight-line story. It can have many Uh, diversions. It can go from comedy to tragedy within that story, but it is a unified, dramatic and emotional narrative. And Beethoven said that every piece he wrote had some image or story behind it. A lot of artists these days get something that they do that's successful, so they just keep doing it. Beethoven said, I've done this, and the next time I'm going to do something completely different. And there's no better example of that than the Fifth Symphony. ¶¶
0: It's been said, Beethoven's Third Symphony, the Eroica, ushered in the Romantic era. In what sense might the Fifth have done that?
1: The idea of self-expression was something the Romantics homed in on, uh, and that had to do with their cult of genius. And the Fifth Symphony became the model of that conception of genius and personality and expressing yourself. One of my favorite stories about the Fifth is that Berlioz, uh, Hector Berlioz in France, persuaded his teacher to go uh, hear the Fifth Symphony for the first time, and the the sir said he came out and he was so excited and upset, when he tried to put on his hat he couldn't find his head.
0: Those who know them most can't remember not knowing them. How do we listen <laughs> to them with fresh ears?
1: It's a very tough thing to do, and I, the only suggestion I have is to do something like read my book or somebody's book and try to get an understanding of how unusual this piece was in its time and how there had never been any precedents for it. Listen to Haydn and Mozart symphonies, which were enormously wonderful, but they just don't have the quality of this one of being this vigorous in grabbing our, our lapels and mm-hmm. getting in our face. Mm-hmm. Goethe said something very interesting once. He said, Mozart and Haydn give you room for your own responses. Beethoven doesn't give you room. He just takes over your life while you're listening to him. You know, that's one of the things we love about Beethoven. ¶¶
0: Jan Swafford thanks
1: once again. Thanks, Monica. Onward and upward.
0: We explore Beethoven's music and music of the last thousand years daily on Colorado Public Radio's Classical Music Service. In Denver at 88.1 FM on the radio dial and in Boulder at 99.9 FM, you can hear us online at CPRClassical.org, where you can also read more about the Fifth Symphony and find top recordings as well as a concert video of it. Subscribe to the Beethoven 9 at 9 podcast either at cprclassical.org or in the iTunes store. Our producer of the Beethoven 9 at 9 is Gene Inaba. Our digital editor is Brad Turner. Jan Swafford's biography is titled Beethoven, Anguish and Triumph. I'm Monica Vischer, and next time, one of the greatest odes to nature ever written. The symphony number no. six, the pastoral symphony. Join me and Jan Swafford next time only on the Beethoven Nine at Nine Podcast from Colorado Public Radio.